Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Mastermind.fm. Your hosts today are Ninja James Laws of Ninja Forms fame and myself, Jean Galea from WP Mayor and WP RSS Aggregator. Today, we're going to be joined by Curtis McHale, who's another well known personality in the WordPress world. He's from Canada and is a WooCommerce and membership site specialist. He also spends a lot of time coaching business owners and blogging about topics such as pricing, onboarding, and budgeting. Before we dive into things, a few words from our sponsors and we'll be back with Curtis. Mastermind.fm would like to take a moment to introduce you to Influx WordPress customer support. Helping your users understand and make the most of your product is an around-the-clock job, and even the largest businesses need help with support sometimes. Influx will augment your team and take the stress out of scaling and scheduling 24 hours a day, every day of the year. Pricing is transparent and scalable, so you're sure to find the service that's right for you and yours. So take a look right away at Influx.com to find your specialized WordPress customer support solution. Well, everyone, welcome to Mastermind.fm. With us today, we're really excited. We have Curtis McHale. Uh, I, Curtis, I, before I have you introduce yourself and give a little bit of a background, I've actually been reading your content for some time. Uh, as a product person, I don't do freelance work. I don't take on clients. I got out of that space a long time ago. But I read it with the idea of, man, I wish I knew this guy and this content when I was freelancing because it would have saved me so many headaches. Uh, so thank you for being on the show. Love your content. Love what you're doing. Uh, I definitely see you doing uh, much on the consulting side for other freelancers. But before we get into all of that, Curtis, why don't you introduce yourself and kind of, and kind of what you do on a day-to-day basis? So I am Curtis McHale. I am just outside of Vancouver, British Columbia, uh, about 100 kilometers or 60 miles, depending on if you're metric or that other thing. And I do, I guess, two things, but they all relate back to one thing. So I'm looking above my desk right now because it says my purpose for work is I help people run the business they want so they can live the life they want to live. And I do that in two ways. One is I help people run a better e-commerce or membership site. So have better conversions, better user interaction, whatever it may be for that project so that they can have more memberships, more conversions, live the life they want to live. And I help consultants run a better business because most consultants, most consultants are running a lucrative hobby, but then they get to like the end of a couple months a year and they're like, oh my goodness, how am I going to pay things? And that's really a hobby. They're not running a business yet. So I help them and define their why, right? Which I have above my desk or define lots of different things. What's the goal in their business? So they don't end up running a plug-in business. And then they say, but I don't want to do support ever. Like I hate that part. And then, but that you built yourself a business you don't want then. Um, so those are the two, kind of the two aspects that I do. That's interesting. I want to talk a little bit about what you just said, the statement that's written above your desk. Can you, can you quote that again mm. one t- more time for me? Absolutely. Uh, I've actually got four above my desk, four post-it notes. The first one is I help people run the business they want so they can live the life they want to live. And then the next one is actually um, some things that must be true for that to happen in my business because that's what I want as well, right? And one of them is that I need generally a one-to-many business model is what I continue to work myself towards um, where I can do a product. So you're doing that already, right, James? With your product, you build the product and many people purchase it, that, yeah. that type of idea. So mm-hmm. for me, plugins don't work because it doesn't fit into my business goals, Where which is next, which is... I want my business to let me spend much of my time traveling and being in the wilderness. And that also comes down to, I want to cut my days that I have to be on the internet down to two days a week. Wow. So knowing all of that, then it lets me say, could I run a plugin business? Yes or no. 
well, I'd have to do support. I'd have to, hey, there's a big problem suddenly, right? And despite best efforts, as I was just listening, despite like launching a great product, I'm sure there were still issues recently where like, we got to fix this like now. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And so I can't do that or I need to find an alternate. So I was talking to someone else who runs a plug-in selling business and they usually do, I think it was a 70-30 split. And I said, what if I didn't want to do support and let you de- deal with the emergency issues? And they said, well, we'll just flip it 30-70. And I was like, well, okay, that's something I could maybe do, right? I'd still be helping with the ongoing development um, but I wouldn't be doing, you know, some of the emergency stuff. Yeah. So that lets me know, like having those two established things also, and I do this again with my coaching clients, letting establishing those things. Um, what are the four most important areas you want in your life? And what will they look like in five years? Let's us decide like running this type of business is a terrible idea for you. Right. I, I, I just want to say, I, I absolutely love those post-it notes. I think so many times as business owners, we miss, we miss sight of the goal, right? The mission. What is it, what, what is it that our business exists to do? And I'm always trying to drill that into myself and my team. Like, why do we exist? But I love that you take it even a little bit further, which is in order for this to happen, in order for all of these things to take place for me and my business, these are the three things that have to be true. These are the things that I have to, to accomplish. So taking it kind of beyond just now here's the mission, but also here are the facts of that mission that have to be true, these, these core values, these true statements. And I, I really love that that I think a lot of businesses could take away from that to really sit down and kind of rethink their business. Why do they exist? And what has to be true for them to succeed in their, in their goals? Because you had, you have given a goal to your clients, right? To the people that you consult. Uh, and it's the same goal that you actually hold for you and your business. So it kind of creates that synergy, kind of pulls that together. I love that. I just think that's really cool. Thanks. I have post-it notes everywhere reminding me of stuff <laughs> to do and not do. That's an awesome takeaway. I think we have our first great takeaway from today's episode. And you mentioned this two-day rule that you have. And that's also one thing that impressed me. And clearly, to go to that, you also have a very clear-cut process to all, all the things you do. Yeah. So perhaps we can talk about that. Well, first off, I'm not there yet. And when I say there's two days that I have to be online, that would be two days requirement, right? So I maybe... You know, maybe we're not traveling in a week and I decide to do, you know, I'm, I am working otherwise, right? I am online. And just because I'm not online doesn't mean I'm not working because as I move more and more towards the coaching aspect of it, reading and writing is still marketing and still working, right? And I could read and I could read a book on the top of a mountain somewhere and write something a little bit off my iPad Pro and like still be hanging out and the kids are running around doing whatever they want, right? Yeah. Um, and so my processes are, as I say, I've continued, as I've looked at business ideas, I've continued to whittle out the ones that are not around, that are not good for me and continue to push on the ones that are good for me. Coaching wise, if I can put all of my coaching clients into a single day, right? It's a one long day, but that's one long day online. And then having 10 coaching clients in one day is an entire income really, right? Or 10 hours of coaching, depending on splitting up between say one-on-one coaching clients and mastermind style clients right where there's you know five to ten people in one group i'm curious what kind of software do you use to book the clients or is it just through clarity uh contactually is the crm i use um and then i use calendly for any links so that's another i guess another aspect of what i do in the process is anyone who sends me an initial email on anything gets more or less the same nine questions right for coaching clients it's they're tailored slightly different than for development clients but they ask a lot about why are we doing this now what's the value to you um, why is it more important than anything else? What are the other things that are on your list? Why are they less important? And then typical timeline and budget and ends with, uh, 
you know, I need to know your budget because a thousand dollar budget means we can do one thing and a $40,000 budget means we can do something different. So I just need a, you know, a range of where you think this is going to fall for you. Um, and I don't, I don't get on the phone with them and they don't even get an opportunity to book a call with me until they have answered those questions. And so when I have someone come back and say, that's terrible, like I'm never going to answer you, they say, hey, we know what, we're not a good fit and you just have a great day. So that's for the coaching sessions, use Calendly to book them in your schedule, right? Yeah, I use Calendly for all calls. So, and I even evaluate, so our, like originally when we talked about recording this, you said Tuesday, I said that fits into my call schedule, great. And then when it, you know, it didn't quite work out, um, on that day for everyone. And then you said Wednesday, I actually sat down and thought, is this worthwhile for me to get away from my call schedule and to get away from my booked calendar? Cause I put up, I put up a shot of my calendar recently on Instagram and I have like every hour is booked all day, right? I book out lunch. I book out my time for email. I book out, you know, I have specific client blocks of time where I say, Hey, this is a block for client. And the Friday before I decide which client I'm working on then. Right. And my coaching calls are booked out as well. I really, uh, yeah, I, I actually appreciate that. I need to be better at that at my, in my own schedule, protecting my schedule, protecting my time. So I'm working on the things that are most important for me to be working on. And I, mm. I appreciate that mastermind.fm fell, fell in the purview of this was worth deviating from my normal <laughs> schedule. I appreciate that. Um, but yeah, I really appreciate it. But I want, I, you said something that I want to kind of come back to really quick for people listening, because uh, I think this is a common problem in not just in in client services, but in product services as well, is this idea of I'm not the right fit for you, that you are not the right client for me, and I am not the right worker, you know, uh, team or you know mm. consultant or whatever for you, because a lot of times I think we run our businesses out of insecurity, and so we don't we we try to just get whatever work we can get, so we bend the rules all the time just to get on the phone call, just to get the quote, just to get the scope or whatever the case may be. And I love that you have a kind of an outline that says, listen, if you can't even do these things, if you cannot even answer these 12 questions, honestly, as I've asked, then we're done. Like this is, this is the end of the road. You know, good luck. I wish you luck, no hard feelings, but this is, this is my gatekeeper. This is, you have to do this. And I think many businesses would do well to start to say, what are the lines in the sand for me and my business where this is a tell, this is not the right customer, the right client, the right partnership, or whatever that case may be. Mm -hmm. Well, even once I get off the phone, I have a list of, I think it's probably six questions that I just, I scan through those because they're personal questions, right? So generally, did I laugh after the call? Like, did I have fun talking to them, right? And, um, you know, were we able to define the problem clearly? Can I write that down? Uh, and a bunch of other things like was, so does this person fit into my ideal client profile? If they do not, then maybe I need to say, Hey, you know what? Thanks very much, but no, thank you. Um, and that helps a lot. Uh, it doesn't always weed everybody out. There are still times when I finish a project. I'm like, I never want to talk to that person again. <laughs> right. That was just a pain in the butt. And you know, they're not necessarily kind of sounds like it was a value judgment. They're not necessarily bad people, but like, I just wouldn't be friends with them ever. Right. right. I wouldn't. You know, if I saw them at the bar, I'd be like, sweet, let's go. <laughs> I'd scoot out the back door or something because I just, you know, it'd be tiring. And the only people you really can, you know, you continue to deal with like that are family, right? When your kids yell at you and you're like, well, you're five. So I guess yeah, I can hang out with you because you're five and you're yelling at me, not because. But I wouldn't hang out with a real person like that, right? Or another person. I think that's valid, right? You have to like who you work with on some level, right? <laughs> Yeah, my, one of my current clients, we regularly, you know, well, how's the day? You know, when we say hi, every every Tuesday I have a call with my current client. And we, yesterday was, we were both laughing about the ridiculous things each of our ch children did. Right? I've got, my middle child is a crazy maniac and she has a crazy maniac in her six. And we were laughing at like the ridiculous things they did yesterday, like 
you just can't even believe why would you do that right and then stuff like falling off the table and falling straight on your face and she gets up mine just gets up and says ta-da and runs away right (laughs) (laughs) you're just laughing at crazy kids yeah and that but that's good right five minutes of that and then we talk about the project and and we laugh a little bit more and then then we leave and it's a good call and having that type of rapport with your clients even in the midst of a bad project because i've had projects where i failed and they're not going well, but having that type of rapport built up a little bit before and during the middle and, you know, even through that tough time where you can laugh a little bit and then get down to business and the tough conversation means you get a lot more slack because we all fail at some mm-hmm. point. Uh, it's, it's not the fact that we do fail. It's how we handle it. That matters. That shows our, our true character and our integrity. So building up that and working with clients like that means it's awesome, right? I and mean, we've even had friends, right? A friend says they'll do something for me or for you and they don't. And you're disappointed, but you don't say I'm writing this person off again in most circumstances, right? They come back, you talk, you know, you might talk about it and then, you know, you move on to keep being friends. It's not, you know, it's not something that defines relationship. A series of that and always interacting like that would, but, you know, a one-off instance does not. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Curtis, I'm getting the feeling that you've sort of cracked the code of freelancing without stressing yourself out, without (laughs) doing doing all this uh, because we talk to many people who move into the product side of business because they're too you know tired out of of the freelancing game and it sounds like you've kind of got the right balance and i was wondering one whether you book time for your own you know personal stuff and your family mm-hmm. and i'm also seeing that bike in the background i love cycling mm-hmm. as well and i was wondering whether you could give us an insight of how you manage to balance w- the work aspect and you know your hobbies and stuff like that yeah so my first stand point in that as I talked about my calendar which is my ideal week and ideal being like if nothing bad happens so I woke up this morning usually I'd go work out um, but when I woke up this morning I was feeling a little sick and then my oldest daughter was a bit of a bear so I skipped working out this morning and got here a little you know I said I had a meeting at eight it's actually to go work out and I just said it was a meeting I didn't say it was working out right um, or when I have a bike ride booked I say hey and I have a bike ride is on my calendar on Tuesdays and Thursdays I go biking for two hours and I on my calendar when a client says we'd like to meet and I just say I have a previous engagement <laughs> because not taking care of yourself is just a recipe for disaster right I have always been very good at that and on the stress point which you made I don't stress out a lot it's like I'll play some extra video games and my wife will be like oh you're stressed out because you're playing video games and that's about it. I'm a fairly even keeled, which also means I don't, you know, get, Hey, something awesome has happened. I'm not like jumping up and down or anything, but that's actually when I built my calendar, that's the first thing I said, I want to work out three days a week, uh, like during, you know, during the work week. And I want to go bike riding twice a week. Um, so how am I going to do that? And I put those on first and my wife and I sat down and did it together. And like, what's our week going to look like? So Tuesdays and Thursdays, I come in at 6am and I work, generally till about one and so i go for six pomodoro cycles of like focused work um and then i go for a bike ride and some days like that happens earlier because you know i'm taking less breaks i was on a bunch of calls uh, specifically on tuesdays it usually gets out earlier and then i'll so i'll leave at noon and i won't worry about it i just go out for noon and i go out for a bit of a bike ride and i come home and hang out with the kids so today is a day where i work technically a short day because I have to be home by 3 p.m. so that I can take my oldest daughter to skating. Or that, so that someone can help. I may watch the other kids and my wife will take her, but someone needs to take her to skating. And I was also reading that like when you're on a bike ride, you sometimes listen to podcasts and maybe you're in the countryside and you're reading or writing. Mm. 
Is that something that you just do whenever you feel like, or do you plan for that specifically as well? Um, well, when I'm on a bike ride, my wife has a special ring. And so she knows I'm on a ride. She's the only time I stop my bike. Like if my phone rings, I just ignore it because my wife has a special ring and a special like text message sound in. She knows, and if she's texting me, there is an emergency. There's some reason she has to get a hold of me at that moment. And other than that, so if I hear something interesting in a podcast, I will stop and like take a note of it quickly. Despite saying if it's important, it will continue to stay on your brain. That's probably not true for most people, unless you've really trained to, you know, train something, trained your brain really well to do that. Um, so I'll stop quickly and do it. Sometimes I'm a skilled enough rider. I can usually like, I can take off my jacket and put it back on <laughs> and stuff while I'm riding without hands <laughs> down the road. So I may just tap something out quickly on my phone and stick it in my back pocket again. But even that there's, I'm actually more and more, I'm actually not taking my phone on a ride and just enjoying being out there. Right. Enjoying, I live in a Valley, it's nice and flat down the Valley, but looking up at snow capped peaks already which is beautiful. and just enjoying that, right? Stopping at the side of the road and sitting for 20 minutes, just looking at some cows in a field. It's just nice to sit quietly. I think we, in our quest to ingest so much information far too often, yeah, forget the peace that we can have, right? So on sa- even on Saturday mornings, I often go for a, a long trail, you know, 15 to 20 kilometers and I'll stop up at the top of something and I'll pull out my headphones and just sit for 10 minutes, right? Probably most people would consider even meditation, right? Just sit, listen, See, listen to what's around me, attend to what's around me, not necessarily, you know, I'll focus on breathing like you'll see, but just attend to what's around me, you know, scratch my dog's head and enjoy what's up there. And I think too, like when we talk about listening to podcasts, when we, when you're bicycling or I, I haven't lately, but I'm trying to get myself back into running. That was my time. I love to run. And I found that I actually thought clearer while I was running. So I wanted to turn all that stuff off because even in my running, I could meditate on the, the, the problem at hand, whatever it was that I was trying to deal with. Um, and the other thing I, I like about some of the stuff that you're talking about, when I got out of freelancing, I got out of it because I couldn't find a way to do it peaceful. I wanted to work for myself, and mm. I felt that in freelancing, I didn't have one boss. I had multiple bosses. Every client was a boss. Now, you work on one client at a time. That's one way of kind of kind of breaking out of that minutia of having too many people trying to get your attention all the time. It's one client. Um, But that's kind of why I moved into the product space, because in my mind, the product space was they're buying a product for what what it's perceived to do at that moment. And so any request for beyond what it does can be a simple response of, yeah, sorry, it doesn't do that. (laughs) Like, we'll add it to a feature Mm -hmm. request possibly, but it doesn't do that. (laughs) Yeah, I think too many freelancers jump into the product space thinking it's going to be this golden goose, right? Oh, sure. And they just think, oh, if I create a product, it'll be great. And then they create a half-assed product, which is, you know, how many people say you should start if you're not embarrassed about your first product, then you launch too late, right? <laughs> but it's not this golden goose. If you haven't worked out your own effectiveness is the word I like to use, not productivity, because productivity always seems to me like you're getting more things done, not the right things mm-hmm. done, whereas effectiveness seems the right things. You're getting the right things done well. Um, if they're not sort of that already, it's not like a product is suddenly going to solve the problems. Yeah. No, and I, th- I think you're absolutely right. Uh, people move. I, I think the same is true of people go- going either way. You have to find out, you have to find out where you, what your space is, like where you fit and where you're comfortable um, the product space works for me, but also I don't do as much with the product anymore. I've hired that out. Like I don't, 
It's not like yeah. I do that day to day. If there's an emergency, I may try to, I may get in for the morale of the team, but it's really them who has to fix the problem. So, um, but yeah. Yeah, you're right. And with the big launch, you said you're on support, right? Everyone was on support with the launch recently. Right? Yeah. And that's, a, that's more of a, it's honestly, the amount of tickets that I can do compared to the rest of the team is a lot, is a lot slower and a lot, you know, a lot smaller, but you know, I jump in for the morale. I want them to see that I'm, I'm in there in the trenches with them as they're, mm-hmm. as we're dealing with it. And I think a danger with lots of people is they hear you saying that, but the fact is that you're still probably an outlier in, in the community, right? as having the company at the size you do. Most people that are selling a plugin, it's them and one other person maybe. Yeah. And they're still in the weeds all the time and they keep saying, I gotta get out of these weeds one day, but they don't. Yeah. Um, so they built a business where they anticipated, I'm gonna you know, end up like James and I'm gonna have all this awesome stuff, but they never built, never built some of those processes or they never got that right twist of luck in some cases because some of that success is a little bit of luck right knowing the right people getting the right you know person to point to you and at the right time to the right other person mm-hmm. um and so then they end up still stuck in the weeds you're like but why isn't this working and i think part of that's not working because they didn't say define their why define um kind of the, the important things in their life and and start putting together a plan at least on how, how they plan to get there, how they think they can get there most effectively. Yeah. And I, so I would say, I want, I just kind of want to say from on a, especially on the finding your why, finding your vision, if, if you're a product person in the space and you're feeling that way, you you should be reading some of what Curtis is writing about this to- these topics because it applies. It, it is transferable, this idea of understanding what it is you're going for. There are some principles and processes of knowing what your mission is, knowing what has to be true about your business, um, blocking out time for you. All this stuff can be done in the product space, but you have to have the discipline to sit down and actually do it, actually apply those principles and stick to it, draw those lines in the sand and say, this is the life that I am building for myself. So uh, I would definitely encourage product people who feel like they are kind of caught in the trenches of just dealing with it, um, that there's a way out if you if you put the, the right pieces in place. Yeah. And some of that is the boldness on product or on freelancing, the boldness to say, I'm not around on weekends, right? Yeah. I had a client, even this year, I had a client be like, hey, you must have been away all weekend because you didn't answer my emails. And I responded back, no, I don't do email on weekends. <laughs> I'm away every weekend. That's when I hang out with my... <laughs> That's when I hang out with my family and they were like, oh, well, how much would it cost to get you on the weekends? And I was like, it's $20,000 a month. <laughs> they were like, what? And I was like, well, I don't want to do it. So I'm going to hire someone to do it and I'm going to pocket 15K and I'll pay them five for like four days a week. They'll be happy like that and I'll pocket 15K. And they laughed and said, okay, so who should I talk to? <laughs> and I recommended, you know, there's lots of good services out there like WB Tonic or WB Sitecare mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever, whatever one you prefer, right? Mm-hmm. That they can be available for you for whatever, $59, $79, $100 a month instead. Yep, I love it. And Curtis, you do have some products, right? You have the mm-hmm. books that you've published. Is that something that generates significant revenue for you or is it just a lead generation tool? It generates uh, a bit of revenue. Um, I think that product-wise, I'm probably at the point that you hear many many product people, at least in the info space, say where they generate four, five, six, twelve 12 products and then suddenly the 13th or the 6th, whatever it was, just takes off and I feel like I'm probably still at that point they generate uh I was just looking yesterday a couple of thousand dollars a year but they definitely generate um even one of my recent one-on-one coaching clients right and the one-on-one coaching rates are significantly higher um generated a one-on-one coaching client so was that worthwhile right I think any 
anything at some point needs to fit into your client funnel. So around most, I have three problems that I solve and you can find them on the homepage of my site. I can't get clients. I um, can't land the clients. And then the clients I land are terrible, right? So that's basically marketing, writing good proposals and client vetting. Those are the three problems I can help you with. And so each of my products um, should be fitting into that. They're probably not quite aligned because I really just defined those problems a couple months ago better. And so, but then I kind of reworked even the products I'm working on, the book I'm working on around marketing and reworked where it was going to fit in the product scape. And so I'll eventually have uh, like probably a free intro email course under each problem, a book under each problem at a lower price point, probably a video course or something that's a little higher price point, something again, a little step higher where there's a video course. And, you know, once a year I'm also doing, Hey, if you want to get into it for group, group coaching around this specific topic, and then they'd be like one-on-one coaching and then one-on-one ongoing coaching because I offer kind of all of those and it would be a good product ladder. Yeah, it sounds great. I wonder if we could touch on the, especially one of those, how can I get new clients? You know, how can I attract clients? So one of the problems I had when I had the, when I was freelancing and had the agency in Malta was limited size of the market locally. Yeah, I I could say the same thing, right? Like I look out my window and if I opened it right now, it'd smell like poop because it's like (laughs) Chilliwack's a farm town. So they're spreading manure right now. Liquid manure smells bad. Like the whole town will smell like that. Even in the middle of town, you're like, I can't see a farm field anywhere. And here I have a farm field. I do not work for almost anybody in Canada. I do not work for almost anybody in Chilliwack. Most of my work comes because I met people. So Chris Lemma or Pippin or even have done podcasts with people, right? And they say, Curtis does e-commerce and membership sites. So this project that you're telling me about is a better fit for Curtis. Even people that work in a similar space to me, like my friend Daniel, he works more on the plugin and payment gateway, stuff like that side, uh, and building custom plugins. He doesn't want to do really any front-end work at all, whereas I work on, I'll absolutely, you know, we'll build your theme out, we'll build out some UI stuff for it, and that, so we even trade projects back and forth, right? He sends them to me, I send someone to him. Same with a number of other, you know, colleagues. I've even, in some cases, you know, helped, been bidding against these colleagues and been like, oh, you missed this in your proposal, like, don't forget to do these things too, because that, and it's going to reciprocate. And honestly, there's plenty of workout. Realistically, I only need like 10 clients a year, maybe not even that many, right? Like five clients. If I had five clients a year at the 15 to $20,000, that's all I need. I don't need any more than that. And I usually take off eight weeks a year. So there's plenty of time in there to work on those. That's a great takeaway. I think, I mean, I've kind of echoed the same experience for me. It's when I started becoming successful, even in generating revenue was when I thought a bit outside of this bubble of the local sphere and, you know, attended WordCamps and through WP Mayor started making these contacts that eventually even enabled me to think on a different level as well. Yeah. And you need to look at also, so lots of people just default to blogging. I'll paste a link in the chat that we can put in the show notes. My friend, Philip Morgan has what he calls the trust velocity. And so based on what you're doing, how high is the trust, right? And so something like a keynote talk at a national or international conference has the highest trust, right? You are the expert, right? So then it goes down to, you know, joint venture webinars or hosting an educational event, referrals, all these other things kind of go down the trust scale um, based on, so you have to do more of them, right? I have to blog more often to be considered a um, awesome, I suppose, or considered trusted. Whereas if I give one, talk at a WordCamp, then those people that saw me talk are like, oh, Curtis knows what he's talking about because they actually saw me. Something like a podcast is even better. Here you, you can hear my voice, right? You guys, at least across the screen, can see my can see my expressions, right? So you know, it, it helps us create a better connection with each other. 
And so looking at that, so if you need, like, if you said, I, I need, I need clients like in the next month, I'd say, Hey, go out to every like meetup in your area, go out to every like chamber of commerce thing or rotary club and just meet people and say, Hey, I'm, you know, I'd say, Hey, I'm Curtis. I help people run an awesome business. And that's what I'd say. And out of that is where you're going to see the fastest return, right? On the And, you know, keep up the blogging, keep up all these other things, but you're going to see those returns in six months or in a year or in two years in some cases, right? Yeah, that's how I normally tell it. I get clients at a baseline to start blogging and then I, you know, get them to get out and meet people because you got to meet people. No, I think that's super important. I was, you know, I'm looking at this grid and I, it's interesting how blog article on your own site like ranks so low as far as what actually builds reputation. And I thought that, I think that's kind of interesting. But it's funny, Jean and I started this podcast. We're now, this is going to be, I think, episode 36. And it's kind of funny when we were at Pressnomics, somebody, I was talking to somebody at the pre-party before the, before the event and we we're hanging out and somebody came from behind me and said, Hey, are you James Laws of mastermind.fm? And I'm like, <laughs> no, cause I've not been doing that very long. Like that's a side thing. Like I, I didn't really think of it in that, in that, but you're right because they get to hear your voice and get to see you and interact with you on a, and, a, and at least a seemingly they get to know your personality they get to know mm. what you're what you're about by by that and so podcasting conferences especially like you said keynote at the top of that list and those, those areas right they do have a tendency of breaking down the barriers of trust where they're like oh, okay i know I, I everybody else trusted them they've invited them to be a keynote or i've heard them i know their personality i know what they're about uh, does, does wonders. Yep. Absolutely. I know Tim Ferriss was just saying on a recent show that he talks to people and they can like tell him about like the time his dog died when he was five. Cause he've talked about it. Right. And so they've already built a relationship with him, even though he hasn't yet, like he doesn't know this person that's mm-hmm. just coming up to him. Um, but yeah, you build that relationship already. Cause you tell stories, right? People who listen to this heard that I have a crazy two year old that like does ridiculous things like climb the front of flat cabinets. And I don't know how she gets the cookies down off the top. Cause my wife can't even reach them, but mm-hmm. she does. Right. So knowing that builds, you'd be like, oh, what crazy thing did your kid do, right? So knowing cycling, right? I heard you were talking about cycling, Sean, on a previous podcast. I was like, oh, that's cool. I've been racing since I was 13, right? I've got 23 years of cycling experience. I ride, you know, now I don't, now I'm more commute than to go for big rides. But, you know, a couple of years ago, I was riding like 1,400 kilometers a month. Nice. So uh, you also mentioned in our pre-recording check um, chat, sorry, that you do some offline stuff with your clients which I Mm. found really interesting. Could you share some of those? Absolutely. So every client that I start with gets a note card and it says something like, really simple. Hey, I'm looking forward to working with you. Have a good day. Like that's it. Hey, Bill, I'm looking forward to working with you. This project sounds exciting. Have a great day. Stick it in the mail, send it off to them. That's it. They also get one as, as we're ending the project, you know, sometimes you might just be closing it off, but, or sometimes it may have been closed off for a week, but it's, Hey, you know, this was a good project. Thanks very much. Have a good day. And then I also said in the pre-show that I don't send Christmas cards or any holiday cards. I'll send them one on like January 12th that says something like, hey, you think this is a failed Christmas card? It's totally not. You got way too many. You threw them all out. You probably didn't throw this one out. And maybe you laughed. <laughs> Have a good day. And I get I get the laugh or the response like that was hilarious. Thank you so much. Right. Now, uh, I'm guessing you send this to anyone you've ever worked with at least anyone that you think you might want to work with again. <laughs> yeah. So there are certainly some clients where I say, no, I'm not going to send this to them. <laughs> like I just, I think I'm like, I don't want to work with them again. Um, although even the beginning and ending cards, well, the beginning card, I don't know yet if I want to work with them again, right? For sure. 
I anticipate that I will, but the ending card, I even send that because just because you ended poorly with someone doesn't mean they can't, they won't send you a good referral later. The only person's actions I'm responsible for are my own. So even in a project where the, you find that the client's been badmouthing you, which I've had, I've had the client badmouth me two friends of mine and they say, hey, what happened? And I said, hey, you know what? I totally failed on this. I don't think it went like they said, but I can understand why they would say things like that. And my friends still send me referrals, right? Seeing them work with another developer and say terrible things about me and the developer contacts me just by saying, okay, and emails me and encapsulates all the email thread that went along and they've said terrible things about me and the developer is asking for some help and I jump right back in and say, absolutely, I can help you. This is what the problems are. And that developer has sent me more work, right? It's, yeah, I'm responsible for me. So I, in fact, I actually have a, when clients are going bad, I have a, uh, a snippet that I, could be in text expander or Alfred, whatever your software is that lets me write the four letter words I want to say and expands into the, I'm very sorry you feel it went that way. Have a wonderful day. <laughs> that, that is actually an extremely creative use of something like text expander. I love that. Mm-hmm. I had never really thought of that as an option. Yeah, we can use that in, in our support tickets, James. <laughs> I love that. You um, could. I, I want to say this is important too for people who, if you're if you are in the services space and you're having a hard time, either, I mean, generally speaking, if a client's had a good experience with you and they need a new project, they're going to come back. But sometimes people forget, like they just don't remember what they. It's been a couple years. Sending these cards is a way to put you right in front of their face again, and they you never know how many of these clients that you just sent a nice beginning of the year card, like you're talking about, not a Christmas card, right? So that they actually see it, they actually look at it, who may be sitting there, you know what, we've actually been sitting on this idea of a project, and I forgot mm-hmm. all about you, and I'm yeah, let's go ahead and get that started back up again. Yeah, years ago I worked for an agency, and I'm not built for agency work, which I found out, Sorry to that agency if they end up, anyone ends up listening to that. But we parted on me saying like, I'm a terrible employee, I think. I can't imagine you'd be happy and I'm not happy. And they said, you're right. That sounds like a good idea. <laughs> said, so how do we part this with at least saying, hey, you know, we're nice people, but we were bad to fit. And we did that. And because I had continued up with clients, I sent out like five emails to saying, hey, I've got space and had five clients be like, oh, we're totally just, you know, thinking about this project. Let's go. And I was the went from you know, I'm going to have no job in, in that case in one day because of how my pay period worked. It just made sense to do like I'm done the next day mm-hmm. um, to like I am busier than I've ever been That's because awesome. I keep it up. So even old, any old client that I class as a good client gets an email every quarter as well. Um, even right. You guys will have made it into contactually because we've emailed and stuff. And I will email you guys at different points and say, hey, just how are <laughs> things going? Right. How are things going? What's up? Right. I'll make a note on John's profile about cycling. I'll be like, Hey, well, you know, where are you? Where are you traveling to? You know, what, what you're riding, stuff like that. I may even in that case say, Hey, I just did a big ride like this and link to it on Strava. Cause that's what I use for my rides and say, you know, just to share something like that. I have another client who's a big triathlete. And so we talk, you know, I talk a little bit about triathlons and he, I generally go from, you know, going on commuting bike rides to like, Hey, let's do like a 300 kilometer ride in a day or something like that. Cause I, or I'm going to go run six mountains this weekend because I feel like it. And so I'll share stuff like that because he always thinks that's hilarious. I I love that because it's about creating rapport with the people, with your contacts. And by making those personal notes that you will undoubtedly forget if you don't make a note in a system that says, hey, we have this in common. This is a point that I can come back to them. And when something happens in this area, I can look this up and go, I'm going to contact so-and-so because I know we have this in common. Uh, all that, again, talking about building trust, 
having that personal rapport builds that trust. And so I love, I love, I love the stuff that you're doing. One of the big things that Tom Clancy taught me was that if you don't write it down, it didn't happen. So (laughs) he's got the one book where the stock market crashes and like, we lost all the records. Well, if you don't write it down, it didn't happen. True. Solves it that way. (laughs) Right. And I read that and was like, that's a totally amazing thing. I need to live by that. And so I write, do that all the time. I carry a pocket notebook and if I don't write it down, it didn't happen. My wife will see me like, Hey, are we going to do this? And it's like, yeah, she's like, write it down somewhere. right so that i get it and put it on the list because she'll ask me like a week later i'm like i don't remember talking about this at all yeah which is that's one of the reasons i don't stress out about things but also you know sometimes frustrating for her and i'm like i just believe you but i don't remember talking about this at all yeah my wife and i have similar similar conversations so i i hear you <laughs> awesome i think this is something that we even we in a product space can can use as well even though we don't deal with one-to-one clients. I think even in, in terms of building rapport with other people in the space, especially, yeah. it's great to well, use this. It's also likely you have other developers, right? That are awesome. We're actually holding, I don't remember, Alfie, I think this is from yeah. Affiliate WP. Yeah. So I have worked with lots of Pippin's products. I saw he had these around. I said, those would be cool. And he sent me them, right? So I'm sure you have developers that you know use your products regularly. Uh, James, you did this with the people that you said were mentors recently, right? Sending it out to them and just being like, hey, we appreciate you. Because I you know, I have a client come through and I say, hey, is Restrict Content Pro or EDD the right choice for you? And I use their products. not Definitely not exclusively. There's a few other choices out there that I like. But you know, I'm one of the developers that's on his list of recommended developers. And they send me work. And I continue to try and use their products because they're awesome. Yeah. So doing that for product people, like you know, I'm sure if you thought about it, well, you know, we've got these, you know, five developers who regularly are asking something in support because they're using our products for clients. Well, what could I send them? Right. So a t-shirt, right? The, I've got the EDD Eddie here as well, right? <laughs> Both the little printed things. And it's just a thing that's cool, right? My kids love them too. They played with them for a while. <laughs> I think shortchanging, I think because we work in a digital space, we so often shortchange how personal and how awesome like reaching out in the physical realm can be, right? When you talk about conferences, everyone's like, oh, the hallway track, it's so awesome to talk to people. And they go home and then they like wait for the next hallway track. Well, even in a hallway track, could you find out, right? Could you find out someone really likes the AeroPress coffee maker and they don't have one? And you say, that's like a $30 thing, right? Just send them one. It's not that expensive. I find out people like coffee and I send them coffee from Chilliwack. I went to a conference recently around coaching and I sent, uh, there's a guy and he runs it on top of what he does, like coaching wise, he runs like a little coffee place and he makes coffee at conferences, not the ones that he really likes, right? He goes and basically volunteers the conference pays for the supplies and he makes coffee because he enjoys it and enjoys being with the people that are there. And I came home and I went back over the border because evidently coffee is a bad thing to ship across the border um, and into the US and I mailed him some coffee. And that now out of everyone that said, hey, thanks, who, who do you think will stand out? That's awesome. Right? Yeah. And Chris Lemma is famous for this as well. When he did Beach Press a few years ago, he grabbed uh, like a smoker uh, so that we could have like this great barbecue, right? He grabbed a coffee maker, a really nice coffee maker and told uh, the organizer, Justin, just, you know, use it at home or use it with church, whatever after, right? Yep, absolutely. So I have w- one last question from my end. We, we also spoke in the pre-show about uh, masterminds, the fact that you run masterminds. Mm-hmm. Is it something that you do, like helping people get into masterminds or are you in masterminds or yourself or both? I'm in both. I think that if if you want to grow, you need a coach. Um, so I am I'm currently in a mastermind that is kind of more for me. Uh, I'm not currently between coaches right now, but 
like just a couple months ago, I was with a coach for a number of months again, working around. This was mainly around convincing me that all some of the things that I tell people to do, I should be doing as well, right? Because even <laughs> though you tell people to do some of this, like you'll look at it and you're like, I totally should be going out to, to talk to people or I should be going speaking in places. Um, and so coming to the realization that I should do that and, and starting to get out more and talking to people um, face-to-face for the coaching side. Uh, I did I did choose specifically not to speak and travel for that because despite my kids getting up at six and that sucks, I miss the kids when I'm not there. And I think that my marriage and my relationship with my children is more important than that. So, And like we're going to be traveling next year with the truck and trailer. So saying at that point, yes, I could say, hey, there's these word camps. Which ones, like which areas do you want to stay in? And go visit some friends in the area and speak at a word camp or speak at other conferences instead. So that is my longer term plan for speaking. I think that's uh, that's important. So one of those, it's one of those things that I've been battle, I battle with because I know a lot of my, you know, a lot of our peers in business end up at, you know, 12, 15, 20 conferences a year speaking. And I'm like, after six, I am worn out. Like I, so I pretty much give myself six weekends that I might be willing to travel if the value proposition is high enough. Mm. And then I otherwise don't do it because I just don't, I don't have the time. I want to be with my family. I, Mm -hmm. I don't get as much work done when I do that because it's, I'm, I'm preparing for it. And then when I get done, I'm kind of getting back into the swing of things and it's just not worth it. Yeah. I I think value is an important part there, right? I went to beach press the last time it was run and that was a high value activity because we were doing some work anyways, but we sat around in a house with, I don't know, 30 people and just worked, right? I worked shoulder to shoulder with Aldi, with Pippin and with Andrew Norcross and with Chris mm-hmm. Lemma and with Justin Santown and Justin Sternberg and like name the people that I just, like we sat around in the beach house and then middle of the day, someone's like, hey, let's go to the pub. And we're like, sure. And people would shut their laptops. Some people would go to the pub. Some people would walk down on the beach, some people. And that time of building rapport and relationship was probably one of the most valuable ones that I've had, mm-hmm. right? I'd love, I'd love if they did beach press again, I'd be right on that. Yeah. That's, that's actually why I go Cabo press is one of those events that I've been going that I went last year. And when the, when the signup came for the next year, I'm like, yeah, I'm going like, I wouldn't miss it. That's what I'd like to look at as well. Unfortunately, currently we have very like one kid who needs to be near mom and mom would be annoyed if I didn't go too. So (laughs) another year, I would like to do that as well. There's also, who's that? Brad Tunard, uh, from I great DB pro runs a winter one. Right? Or uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, big snow, tiny con. That's another good one, right? Yeah. And so I actually would value those probably mm-hmm. before WordCamps because of the people you get to meet, especially in some like the big snow, tiny con. That one, it's a lot. It's not everyone just in the WordPress space, right? There's other people coming from other spaces as well, which we also need to do as typically WordPress people branch out past. I luck out in my local area, most of the developers are not WordPress people. Uh, there are some top Ruby on Rails people like in the world here, which is excellent that I get to meet awesome. them and interact with them. And like so brilliantly smart in every aspect of programming that, right, that they're helpful to me in WordPress when I have like, there's an issue with my database and they'll look at it and be like, oh, and they'll just you know, scan through this huge block of things. He's like, that's your problem right there, right? Because the one guy, Dan, works have, has worked heavily with uh, Ruby on Rails database abstraction layer. So he just, he just knows it. Awesome. Well, Curtis, thank you so much. Before we wrap up, you had, you were generous enough to offer us the ability to give away uh, your books that you currently have available. So we would love to, uh, if, I think the, the, the offer was we're going to give away one copy of each book. Was that what we had said? Yep. Awesome. Yep. 
So we're going to give away one copy uh, of, of the books he has offered. We're going to put them in the show notes as well and a link so you can get some information about those uh, resources. We really appreciate it. It's an invaluable resource. I would really encourage everybody, even if you don't win, like try to win. If you don't win, then just go buy it. Like that's just the way it should happen. <laughs> go pick it up. Uh, the, the information is going to help you if you're freelancing, if you're trying to, to juggle what it looks like to be a freelancer in the current market and the current scape. These are just good, just, just good information. It's just going to help you fix. Like I said, I've been reading his content. I've been reading Curtis's content for uh, really for a couple years now as I've been already transitioned out. And every time I read it, I like, man, I wish I would have seen this like years ago <laughs> when I was doing this. So if you're in that space, you don't have to wait and say, gee, I wish that existed. The content exists. It is available. We'll put a link to his website. We'll put a link to the books that we're offering. Here's all we're going to ask you to do is send us an email at podcast at mastermind.fm. Ask us a question. Uh, just comment. Just let us know. And we're just going to randomly throw those email addresses in a hat and, and draw a name. And then we'll send out a big, a big you know, to do about it. But uh, just go ahead and fill that out. We would love to get that information from you and uh, love you to participate to get these books. It's going to be a great resource. Uh, Curtis, thank you so much. I uh, appreciate you taking the time and, and adjusting your very set schedule <laughs> to be a guest on mastermind.fm. We are honored that we, we, we made the cut. Well, I, it was fun to be here. I always enjoy doing it for sure. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks, Curtis. Okay, guys, I've learned a lot from Curtis. He's a really good guy to follow. Please check out his blog. There's lots and lots of good articles that I really highly suggest. If you want to get in touch with Curtis, you can find him on Twitter at Curtis McHale. And you can also find me, of course, at Jean Galea and James at James Laws, all on Twitter. Um, please, if you have any questions for the podcast for future episodes, or even if you want to ask something to Curtis directly through us, please reach out to us on podcast at mastermind.fm. Them. And obviously, if you like the podcast, please leave a five-star review. We highly appreciate them and we look forward to having more reviews from our wonderful listeners. In the meantime, please keep in touch. And uh, if you haven't checked the previous podcasts, the episodes, please check them out. And we'll see you on the next episode with another great interview.